Morning, everyone. Welcome to the last week of uh, fasting and EMP. And uh, we're coming to a close to the book of Genesis also. Uh, 50 chapters. Uh, we started on Genesis chapter 1 in uh, January of uh, 2019. And um, in 2020, as we close out the fast, we're also closing out the book of Genesis. So I'm really actually uh, uh, interested and very excited to get on to Exodus. Uh, we'll continue on um, the teachings from Exodus and the scriptures every Wednesday morning uh, at, our, at our weekly EMP morning. Uh, so we're going to continue on Genesis 49. Um, and I'm going to read uh, parts of Genesis 50. Uh, and 49... Uh, Jacob is now coming to the, the end, towards the end and the close of his life. And so he wants to bless each of his sons. And um, uh, many scholars will attribute this to be uh, the first account in scriptures recorded where someone is giving more of like a prophetic word. So obviously there's God who speaks explicitly, detailed line by line to a messenger, and then the messenger relays that message. Um, but here uh, uh, Jacob is pronouncing blessings uh, over his sons. And if you get a chance to read it, you'll notice that um, not all of it is pleasant. Uh, he, in fact, mentions a couple of his older sons. Um, and he actually says, you won't be blessed in this way. And you won't be blessed in this way. Uh, and, and simply that um, a lot of them are receiving really based off of uh, um, what they did. So it's, it's measured. Uh, it's really dependent upon their obedience and dependent upon their life choices in which uh, um, Jacob actually goes. And so a couple of his older sons are disqualified. He actually, you know, uh, uh, the idea is that you had the higher position of authority, you had the higher position of influence, but because you made these choices, you remember one of the sons uh, uh, slept with one of Jacob's uh, wives. Um, and so because of that, he was disqualified from this blessing. He was disqualified uh, from having these things. Um, so so it's, uh, it's quite interesting. And, the, and then obviously there's favor for certain sons. Um, for, one, for the two sons that ang- you know, acted out in anger and slew uh, uh, um, the men of those that had raped their sister, uh, they were disqualified from certain blessings. Um, and so there are blessings and there are non-blessings and um, it just shows us that um, okay, so two, two ideas here to take away uh, one ultimately we are all rewarded when we go to heaven, okay? Right? so, so we're, we're safe there <laughs> right? it's like, oh Pastor Sam, what are you talking about? what crazy message are you starting off with this morning? Right? Uh, okay, one, very clear, overarching. You, you obviously, every single one of us, uh, because we're saved not by works or by merit, 
but by grace. Okay? We're saved not by works and merit, but by grace. And that by the work of Christ on the cross. Amen? So that's a proclamation. That's the gospel. We will go into heaven. Uh, uh, and that is our great reward. So all of us. Um, but I do want to clarify, and, and, and maybe you're not aware of this, um, but there are degrees of rewards in heaven. Okay, do you guys understand? There are degrees of wards. Uh, sorry, uh, rewards. Um, uh, 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 the simplest description I can give is based off of your obedience and faith and discipline in following the Lord in this lifetime. You'll be given jewels, crowns. I don't know if they're you know literal or, or figurative. Um, uh, you, you, you know, if, if you're given one talent, you'll be given greater responsibility. So there are degrees of rewards. Now, now, you know, I'll take a, a guess here. I don't think it's the kind of reward you and I are thinking materially or, or, or physically. Does that make sense? I don't think it's like this person got this much land, so in heaven I'm going to get this much land. You know, uh, this person's going to get this kind of room or mansion, and so then I'm going to get this. You know, I don't think it works like that. Um, but I absolutely do believe there are, uh, uh, I don't say ranking, that, that, that seems, uh, 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 but degrees of rewards. Uh, and so what that is, I don't know. Um, but God will certainly uh, acknowledge and reward those who have been faithful to the end. Okay, now if you're going to ask me scripturally any other proofs and things like that, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, you know, there were the uh, crowds. The scriptures talks about the crowds, you know, the multitudes that follow Christ. Um, and then it breaks down to there were the 70 you know, 70 or so that were devout and followed Christ. Uh, from the 70, it breaks down to the 12, right? The inner circle. So just, you just see this circle, a big circle getting smaller, an inner circle and another inner circle from the 12. There were the three, right? The three, only the three had access to certain revelations and encounters with Christ, uh, Peter, James, and John. Um, and then there was, in fact, the one. When all 11 disciples had abandoned, there was the one who stayed with the women Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said to his mother, to John the Beloved, and John to his mother, you're now, you're now uh, uh, like family. Um, and so I think uh, it's, it has to do with revelation. I think it has to do with um, a greater revelation of the heart of God. Personally, I think whatever crowns you're given, uh, uh, secularly or materially speaking, that it'll be given back to the Lord. Um, so one, one uh, theory I have is that whatever you've been blessed with and received, you just get to lay it down before the Lord even more. Does that make sense? So like you sacrifice, just, it's arbitrary, but like two or three things in your lifetime, then before the crown and before the Lord, you have the privilege and honor of laying down your crown before the Lord. If you sacrifice a hundred things, then you have the honor and privilege of sacrificing hundreds. Does that make sense? So I, I think it has a little bit more depth and meaning in that. Um, so... So there, you know, so there goes, and I think in, in, in physically speaking too, I think in our physical life here and now, um, absolutely we have the reward and the blessing of knowing Christ. Uh, and that is our great reward, and, and, and the revelation of Him is our great reward. Um, but the material, in addition to the spiritual blessings you attain, very much are tied to, to our uh, life choices, our lifestyle, uh, and our obedience to the Lord. Amen? Right? You guys are in agreement? 
Okay, so, so there, there is, I mean, this blessing here that Jacob gives is a very clear indication. Yeah, does Jacob love his sons? Absolutely. Does Jacob want to bless his sons? Absolutely. Are there restrictions and uh, disqualifications? Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's the scriptures. It's there. Um, you know, it'd be nice if, if every single one of them got everything they wanted, but they didn't. Um, and so I think that's just sobering. I think it's a great awakening for us to be aware. Yes, there's always grace. But yes, there's absolutely consequences. But yes, there's all, absolutely blessings uh, for seeking after. And so the, the old is gone. The new has come. Uh, and so our hope in Christ, this is not the end of our life. This is the end of Jacob's life. We're in a position where we can uh, um, really attain and seek and hunger after this life of pursuing Christ and knowing Christ. And that will make all the difference in our life. Amen? Right? So there's always hope. That every day is a new day. There's a new beginning. Um, Jacob gives these uh, blessings over each of his sons. Uh, and then he pulls his, in verse, uh, uh, I'll read uh, from 23. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. By the way, we, we're going to cut the teaching short over the next few days. So I'm going to end by uh, about 7.20 each day. Because uh, we, we have a, a whole house churches to pray for on one day. Okay? Uh, so some of we miscalculated. Some of, some of them came in a little bit later. Um, so uh, the teaching will close a little bit earlier. And uh, uh, we'll probably do just one song. I don't know who's doing worship today. But we'll do one song. So we'll close the teaching at 20. We'll do one song. And we're doing whole house churches of prayer at a time. Okay? So all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them. Every one of the uh, blessings appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpeth, which is before Mamre and the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there they buried Leah, the field and the cave that is in it, purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. This is the, the closing out uh, 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 of the patriarchs, uh, the three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, uh, three generations with the death ending in Jacob. Um, to give you a little context, Abraham, or sorry, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, uh, uh, were, was crossed over, laid over with the sons of Noah. And so just, just historically speaking, the generations are all the way down, uh, uh, recorded here to the point of Jacob. Um, Jacob, in faith, took his whole family from the land that was promised, that God had promised. Uh, it didn't make sense to go to Egypt, but God said, I have a purpose and a plan, go. It may not fit in with your plan. Uh, and so Jacob had to take a huge step of faith, went to Egypt, but God assured him that he would be coming back. Uh, Jacob, once again, so assured, so confident, and had such faith that this would happen, that God would bless him, not uh, only in Egypt, or, or bless him with the things of Egypt, um, but really would bless them in Canaan, that he commanded that to his sons, that they would swear to him, promise him, that his bones would be carried back to Canaan, uh, to be buried ultimately because that's where the promises 
uh, that's where God, uh, uh, you know, had given that vision, um, and or had given him the vision of the land, uh, or promised him the land and, and his forefathers. Um, Genesis chapter fifty. Uh, we won't go into all the details, uh, but two things happen after Jacob passes away. The brothers come together and they they scheme once again, uh, but this time in fear and concern. And their their thoughts are that now that our father is gone, Joseph will really deal with us uh, um, the way he wanted to. Uh, and so they start saying, "Hey, let's go to Joseph." And when 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 we see Joseph, let's tell him that uh, uh, your father, our father, you know, swore to make sure that you would protect us, things like that. Um, and then the scriptures tells us that Joseph uh, uh, wept. Uh, he, he was uh, uh, saddened or, or hurt. Uh, one, at the fear of his brothers. Um, two, perhaps at their view or vantage of him. And, uh, and he assured them uh, uh, that there would be no such thing, that he would take care of them, that everything was okay. Uh, here you see the final seal or the closing out. There's been forgiveness there's been reconciliation, right? You know, it's okay, I forgive you. Those things are in the past. Uh, time has gone by where they're sharing space and meals. Uh, and then the last deal, which is uh, uh, where maybe the brothers are acting or saying or doing things where they still feel like they owe their brother. And Joseph sees that and basically says, you don't owe me anything. You're, you're completely forgiven. In fact, he says, Who, I, I'm not God that I should judge. Uh, in essence, he's saying, if, if, if God could have mercy on me, he can have mercy on you. We're, we're on the same plane. And, and I think that uh, uh, would be the closing of an account or an event for forgiveness. True forgiveness would be for both parties after going through the motions and saying to, to get to a place where um, essentially, uh, we don't want the other individual uh, to feel indebted. And we go out of our way to make sure that that, that, that relationship uh, uh, is, is safeguarded. And that's exactly what Joseph does. Um, Joseph then comes to a close. Uh, and he comes to his point uh, where he's going to now pass. Uh, and so 50 chapters multiple generations coming to a close um, both Jacob and Joseph Joseph even though uh, uh, all his glory and all his blessings were materialized in Egypt both Jacob and Joseph knew that they were not Egyptian that they were the people of God and no matter all the provision that was given um, they refused to be buried uh, in, the, in the place of their prosperity or success. They'd rather have been buried in an obscure cave in Canaan, right, with no earthly material uh, uh, blessing that people would, you know, aspire or seek after than the glories of the tombs uh, in Egypt. Uh, why? Because Canaan was the promise. Canaan was the place that God had promised. Um, very simply put, uh, they would not compromise. Um, 
they held dearly the word and the promise of God over their circumstances, no matter how good. You guys see that? That the, that the heart of God and the word of God and their relationship with God was first and foremost uh, paramount, uh, no matter their circumstances, no matter even uh, uh, what they could envision for the future of their children. Uh, Joseph, after he died, uh, would not be buried. He was in a coffin. The scripture tells us he was in a coffin and he was above ground. Uh, they would not put him into the ground by per his command. And so for 400 years, <clears throat> multiple generations, Joseph's coffin in Egypt lay above ground, not below, embalmed. And uh, for every generation of Israelites that would be raised up and would hear the story of how God brought Jacob and his family and Joseph, they would see and, and inevitably every child would say, well, why hasn't Joseph been buried like everyone else? Um, and then the message would be clearly stated because the promise of God, because God promised the people of God their own land, their own nation in Canaan. And so Joseph, in faith, chose not to be buried. Um, and so uh, you, you close out this uh, 50 chapters. The, the book of beginnings, as Genesis is called. And the book of beginnings ends with Joseph and God's people looking forward. So a whole story, a whole narrative comes to a close. A whole book, book of beginnings, Genesis. The account of God's people from Adam, uh, creation, Adam, all the way to Joseph's death. Uh, the book of beginnings closes with uh, uh, the ending of Joseph and Jacob, but with their perspective looking forward. And their perspective very much, their, their aim and their goal and their hope very much is the future promises of God. Amen? Um, so just a quick, simple application this morning. Um, what is the promise, the scriptural promises of God in your life? What are the promises uh, that, that God has conveyed to you? Uh, the promise of His presence, uh, the promise of His love, the promise of eternity, the, the promise of His uh, Holy Spirit, the promise of His favor regardless of physical, material circumstances or status, uh, you know, uh, a breakthrough in relationship, uh, breakthrough in your job, breakthrough. What, what are the promises uh, in so much as is in alignment with the heart of God, um, in alignment with, in addition to relationship, so the, the relationship with God is the promise, and then the material is a secondary. Um, what promises has God spoken over your life regarding Himself in your life? Does that make sense? What promises has God made to you in your life regarding uh, Himself in your life? You know, what has God promised? Um, and then the question would be, uh, what is the promise versus, um, you know, if, if like Jacob and Joseph, God has promised the, the Canaan and, and a future and a nation, and then they're here now in Egypt for a period of time, and things can get really comfortable, they have to make a choice to believe that no matter how comfortable it is here, that the promise of God is greater than whatever current circumstance I have, uh, then the question would be, what, what would compromise that? 
What would hold us back? So what for us uh, is the promise of God as it pertains to our intimacy and relationship with Him? And what are the things that might cause us to compromise? Uh, what, what things might we be comfortable in that would jeopardize the promise of God? Um, and so, you know, what is that for us this morning? Um, Jacob and Joseph had faith in God's promise. And faith in God's promise translated simply into obedience. They had faith in the promise that God had given them and it translated simply into obedience, which is that they refused to call Egypt their home. They refused to be buried in Egypt. Even uh, 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 with what seemingly at the moment seemed like less they'd rather cling to that promise because they had a vision of the future that what God promised is always greater than what the world promises. Amen? I mean, think about that for a second. They're looking at Egypt developed with all its technology and culture, looking at a barren you know, Canaan with, with not a whole lot going on, but they cling to the promise of God. That promise and word of God gives them a vision of what it will be in the future, not what it is now, and they're willing to trade everything they have now for the promise and the fruition of that to come that is not yet. Does that make sense? And, and oftentimes that is exactly what God is calling you to do. God is calling you to lay down all that which you have that seems like much for something that seems like not a lot because in faith we absolutely believe and envision in the future that God will bless it and it will become even greater than that which you possess. Amen? That really is faith. That really is what is God call, calling us to. Now, whether that's obviously eternally, you know, uh, uh, missionaries, uh, pastors, uh, marketplace, uh, tent makers, obviously we, we're all the same notion that we're willing to give up everything to follow Christ in this world because we know that in heaven and eternity, far greater is the reward. But also materially, even here now, there are choices we can make that you might be presented with where it might look like, man, but if I, if I step out in faith in this way, then I, I might have to give up and relinquish these, these things, these things that are already established, these things that I can already piece together will lead to certain things. And if I go this way, it doesn't, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on here. I don't, really don't see how God can work in this situation. And I'm certainly putting myself, jeopardizing myself, and putting myself out on a limb. And that, in fact, is the faith and the obedience that Jacob and Joseph are walking in. Absolute faith and obedience in believing that God will fulfill His promise. Amen. Amen. So let's bow our heads this morning. And so just come before the Lord this morning and ask Him, God, what is it that You have been pressing on my heart? Man, I've been trying to put this thought aside. I've been trying to sidestep it. I've been trying to go the other way. But Lord, I just have to admit that I just can't get away with it. You, you keep speaking this on my heart. The, this, this idea keeps popping up. I keep, I keep getting asked. I, I, I try to tuck it away. I try to push. I, I try to bury it with my busyness. And I try to bury it with doing other things for you. But this calling, this word, I, I can't put it down, God. What, what are you trying to say? And I feel like the Lord, you know, I don't even know what it is, but I feel like there's something that's just been tugging at your heart. There's a thread that just keeps getting pulled and things keep getting unraveled and, and you can't help but pulling it. And the more you unravel it, the, unravel it, the more revelation you have of the person of God. And there is in fact something that you have been confronted with 
that you in the spirit, right? It doesn't, no one has to knock you over the head with it. No, I don't have to uh, speak it out loud. You, you've heard it in your spirit. What God, you have been confronted by God himself that you would lay this down. That you would lay this down. And part of the reason why, but why we can't is because there's just this vision of, of what life would look like if, if I were to uh, 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 completely let it go and, and, and go to this desolate land. But see, that the desolate land exact, is exactly where the promise will come to life. And so just come before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, an open heart, a contrite heart, a broken heart. Speak, Lord, here am I. And if, I, if we've learned anything from Joseph and Jacob, it's simply that they obeyed. No matter how good it got, they believed in the promises of God. Even in their death, even in their bones, they were a testimony and a witness to all those who may have struggled in their faith. To all those who may have questioned whether or not God's promises were real. Well, look at Joseph's bones. He's testifying, even in his death, that God is real, that his promises are true. And we will one day be walking in the promises. Amen. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. And let the Lord himself reach out his hand. And in faith and in obedience, may we walk that first step forward in the direction that He has been calling you in.